I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's fantastic episode. Got to have Dr. Kelly Starrett on for the third time, I think it is. Um, Dr. Starrett, Kelly. He is—he's uh, been like a long-term mentor from afar for me. I don't know that he completely realizes that, but I've been following his stuff for quite a while, and uh, he was one of the main instigators of sorts for me to start putting videos up on the internets and starting podcasts and uh, doing all the things that we've been doing. So really greatly appreciate him. Uh, recently released a book called Waterman 2.0, done with Phil White, uh, forward by Laird Hamilton. Uh, highly recommend you guys checking that out. And um, yeah, Becoming Supple Leopard, Deskbound, all his books are great. Highly recommend checking his stuff out. Um, thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge, start integrating better movement into your daily life. So darn important, you are able to be practicing your movement well outside of being in the gym, and that little sucker gets you into learning some of those fundamentals. Um, Reviews, thank you guys for leaving us reviews on iTunes. If you do, um, send me a direct message at Align Band or Align Podcast on the Instagrams, and we will send you out some stuff from Own It. Uh, Review, I'm just pulling up a random one here. Uh, Dion Ingle or Ingle or something. Five stars, the best show, exclamation point. My favorite podcast by a long shot since listening to my first episode in January 2014. Can't believe that's how long we've been doing it. Uh, I've listened to virtually every daily release since. Highly recommend for free thinkers. Triple exclamation point. Thanks so much for that, Dion. Uh, hit us up at Align Band or Align Podcast, and we'll get you out some stuff from Own It. Uh, I think we're good. This was recorded at CrossFit San Francisco, or San Francisco CrossFit, rather, um, and uh, in their kitchen. So if you hear any clicking or clacking sounds in the background, that's what's happening. All right, here we go. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back to the show. Pow. Align Podcast. And then we had to kind of move and evolve out of play a little bit, back into, hey, let's codify some things. But now it's time to put play back because, I mean, the gym can be an austere place and it's very serious and 82.175% of my one rep max on a Tuesday in October. And, you know, I mean, there's just like, where's the, where's the dicking around? Where's the experiment, you know, the experimentation? Yeah. And I can really understand people like Ido Portal and I really have empathy and understanding now for, um, you know, Irwan about, hey, let's, let's explore and play again. But now we can say, okay, hey, look, you should be front squatting, you should be deadlifting, you should be have a huge set of lungs, you know. Like we can, I mean, the world has changed. Ten years ago, when we opened the gym 13 years ago, you couldn't buy kettlebells in San Francisco. Hmm. Just sit, just let that mull around in your head. You couldn't buy kettlebells in San Francisco. You had yeah. to drive to Santa Cruz to buy some kettlebells at like a secondhand shop. Now you can go to Target and get a kettlebell. So something's changed. So now means we all get to level up. We all get to be a little bit more sophisticated about what's going on. But, man, we got to have some fun. And we got to compete and gamify without losing the narrative. And we've lost the narrative a little bit. It's just, I mean, the gym is suck your soul dry, you yeah. know, Try, trying to be very serious. And then, as a normal, again, a normal expression of the system, the gym has become very recursive. I do pull-ups so I get better at more pull-ups. So I can get better pull-ups. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you're, dude, you're strong enough. Yeah. You're big enough. You're powerful enough. Are you actually learning new sports? Are you playing? Are you exploring? And then it really becomes a question of what is the minimum therapeutic dose to get back? And, <clears throat> you know, um, I'm a CrossFitter. I've been CrossFitting for a long time. It's my, the language I speak in terms of my general physical preparedness. And then if we have world-class athletes from as many different sports as you can imagine come in. We scale up and scale down based on their needs. But um, in that CrossFit's tenet for fitness 100 words or less is regularly learn and play new sport. And I'm like, okay, when's the last new sport you learned? Yeah. When's, how many sports have you done this year? How many, how many competitions did you do this year? Like, we competed in everything all the time. I mean, this year I've done a powerlifting meet. I did a 50K open ocean race. I did a 70-mile bike race. I mean, I'm like, keep signing me up. I paddled the Grand Canyon, I, you know. And... Uh, 
I, I don't think I'm exceptional. I just think I'm like, whoa, what's the point of all this? And in fitness and wellness and community, tribe, important. That's yeah. important. And however we get there is important. Comma, what's the next conversation? And the conversation is to go back into the wild and spend some of that fitness. I like the idea of um, you learn the rules first so that you, you know, from there you have the permission to break the rules. Yeah. That's, you know? that's yeah, 100%. I mean, I ha it, principles, the gym, man, this place is such a good teacher, right? I yeah. just tell this to my daughters. I'm like, look, you've got to get straight A's. you got to be the ninja. That way you can play hooky. Yeah. <laughs> that way you can not go to class. And that yeah. way you can, you know, but, but once you... Once you, we have that, what's interesting is we're seeing now a generation of people who are 40s and 50s. I'm 45 in like two weeks. And we're starting to see all of their dirty secrets are coming up. Herniations, right. knee replacements, shoulder surgeries, right? And um, what's interesting about all of that is it tells me our old model of just do more, play more, go out, work harder. Incomplete. We did not have enough formal movement training, right? Yeah. Now we have a whole generation where we don't see, we're having to teach more formal movement to kids than ever before. And we're having to put it in in a formal way, but we're not, we don't have the depth of experience of being an athlete, of playing, of pickup games, of, you know, just horseplay. For, I mean, what, I don't know what the right word is. Um, I was having this conversation with Chris McDougall who wrote, uh, you know, Born to Run. Yeah. And he's a uh, he, special human being. But I was like, hey, I think there's something to kids' games that we've lost. Because in his book, he talks about the Tamara Indians playing this game where they run and kick a little ball. It's how they teach running to their kids through a game. Yeah. And um, because it teaches high cadence and lots of footwork instead of just, like, slog, right? And I was like, well, have you thought about applying that to thinking, like, jacks, hopscotch? I mean, if we got girls doing hopscotch again, you know what the ACL injury rate in girls would go? It would go down. Right. Why? Because it's single leg, single leg, double leg, single leg, turn, single leg. I mean, like, that's that's sneaky stuff. Do you remember Butts Up? Nope. Butts Up was a game where you would throw a ball against the wall and catch it. it sounds so like, you'd, a, like a prison sport. Well, if you miss the ball, <laughs> you uh, if you miss the ball, you have to bend over, okay. and the kid you're playing against gets to peg you with the ball. Oh yeah, we did a lot of that. Yeah, so that's called butts yeah, up. Back in that, you're up on the brick wall. Yeah, and someone well, <laughs> and so what you, you get this feedback, <laughs> and the skill was it was a skill base because it wasn't size. You just had to catch the ball. Oh. And I think you know, Jacks. Think about some of those games we played. Um, there's a politically in very incorrect game that we used to play with the worst name ever, um, where a kid, I wouldn't even say it, a kid would pick up the, the object, the shirt, and then everyone tried to tackle that kid mm. for the next 30 minutes. Do you remember that? And then you'd get tackled and someone else would pick it up. I never played that. Played lots of similar stuff. Right, so it, it has a really offensive name, uh, Smear the, you know, oh, right? right? The homophobic, Smear the upstanding, right? valuable human being. And um, what was interesting about that is, think about all the contact, everyone could play, you run, you cut all the lateral movement, then you tackle, you learn how to fall, you learn how to tackle someone, you know, and then, you know, it just, we played that for, I mean, thousands of hours. Yeah. And, and such valuableness. Um, you know, our daughters were at uh, water polo practice on Monday. And Julie and I, there's a, at the high school, and, our, and uh, Julie and I went to the, uh, the football field and we just played ultimate. Just threw the frisbee around, yeah. cutting, jumping. An hour later, and I was like, "Dude, I'm going to be work tomorrow. I haven't done that much lateral movement." And I think that's what you know. We don't need to go to the gym and treat it like it's a vitamin shop, you know, and try to fix fit every gap with the gym. Stop that. Let's let's go back into the world and load and play. And I think wholesale. I mean, you know, we're both barefoot cruising around the gym here, but wholesale. Something has happened in our lives that we're having to do all this remedial work. And we shouldn't have to do it. Yeah. But we're walking on flat surfaces. We live in, like, our chair, our, you know, our car, the couch. That's it. That's our, that's our whole movement language. And if you go, don't go to the gym and do some kettlebell flow, then, man, you're screwed. Yeah. It feels like we can kind of paint ourselves into a corner with the rules where we can become so dogmatic about the rules that then we get so big and almost, like, mutated within that 
that now you're mentioning McDougal, McDougal, I think in there they talk about levee flight patterning, or maybe I got that from someplace else. But that's, you'll see that with various different animals like sharks or like tribal people or people at a music festival or people around college campuses. You see their movement pattern is more scattered and all over the place and it zigs and zigzags and that's just their lifestyle. You know, whereas you look at modern movement, most of us are, are far, like you look around the corner of this room here, it's all, it's all corners. You know, if you go out into nature, I just, I feel like there's some like evolutionary something there where our body really craves that wandering aspect. You know, we were on, uh, oh, excuse me, we went down the Grand Canyon this summer. <clears throat> we did 16 days camping, boating on the river. It's really like a, um, a backpacking trip where you hike yeah. every day, you know, plus Matt, some boating. Matt Vincent. Yeah, Matt Vincent went. We had him on here. That's right, Maddie, And uh, we had Tim Ferriss there and a whole host of our good <clears throat> superstar friends. But the amount of invariability in of my movement by 8 a.m. was shocking. <laughs> Get up and down off the ground, go toilet poop on the ground, roll my stuff, kneel, hop, carry, load. you know. And then I'd get in my kayak, and I'd be like, wow, like I have crossed patterns, I've crossed one leg over, I've been barefoot, I've been balancing. And I didn't have to think about it, I didn't have to put it back in. I think what we need to do, and in fact, I'm, this week I'm speaking at, um, it's called the Mayfield Conference, and it's it's about tech, and we people, I mean, Sal Khan is speaking um, of Khan Academy, looking at how, how are these technologies integrated, how are we solving these problems? So it's a real group think, a small group setting, but I'm really asking is like, hey, how are we thinking differently about constraining the environment or setting up the environment so we have the right outcome without having to think about it? Yeah. You know, and, I, and otherwise, you know, you're like you have your hippie rock mat and you're, you know, and like it's easy to be, go down some weird path where you're not even a real human anymore because you're so worried. But on the other hand, you know, we can create systems where we get better outcomes. So we, we walk our kids to school. Yeah. And then Juliet and I took the long way home because I didn't have to be at the gym till later. We walked 20,000 steps this morning before we'd even, you know, had breakfast. Mm. And I'm not saying everyone can do that, but we do normally get about 7,000 steps on the way to and from school before 8.15 just because we're walking our kids to school. And that's part of our habit. And so I think we're going to have to, conceptualize who is in charge of this environmental animal and how do we make it possible to have a better human experience so that we don't have to go back in and do all this remedial work. And we've sold, look, we've actually science has sold us, you know, VO2 max matters, you know, soul cycle, you know, tribe. So you go to soul cycle or you go, I'm not dissing the exercise bike because I love biking, but that is not, a complete movement practice. You're going to be a bent over, you know, shell of a shrimp human, but you're going to have a big set of lungs in that one thing. So really, I think, how do we set it up so that we can express what it means to be human through play? What's the minimum therapeutic dose? Then you, if you, and then if you get a wild hair up your ass and you want to do something wild, go wild in one of those pieces. But what is it that we need to do? And that may even be your work. If you listen to this, you know, get rid of the trash cans, but one central trash can location where everyone has to walk and throw their stuff away. Right. So you just constrain the environment to have an outcome where people have to walk more, yeah. right? Or, um, you know, I think you can apply that level of thinking to anything that we're doing. And, you know, I love the gym. I love it, but I also really love to play. And what I was nice was that I test my fitness and ready state with my sports. Did I come out unharmed? How did I do? Did things hurt? Could I have access to my positions? You know, I don't get in shape for ski season. I'm always in shape for ski season. I use my skiing right. to test my lungs and my legs. Yeah. You know? How do you keep yourself psyched? How do you keep yourself stoked to move in the first place? Well, I think it's, that's a really good question. Um, one is that I have extreme high genetic drive to move. So compare, you do the genetic testing on this. I'm in like the 90th percentile. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing today? Right. I'm like, I have exercise ADD. Like, I'm like, let's do it. Of course, I don't recover like my mutant friends, but I'm I'm always down. So motivation isn't a problem. Our friend Jocko Willink um, <clears throat> has a saying. He's like, look, you've got to develop discipline because you won't always be motivated. Right. And and my wife, Juliet's like, oh, I don't like that, that military discipline language. I'm like, okay, so substitute the word discipline for habit, right, and ritual. And then one of the things that happens is that you just... For some of us who don't want to exercise or just not part, you just have to create conditions where you're moving more. You know, um, yesterday, 
on the Twitter is such a, this is such an inane argument. Um, Brad Stuhlberg, super bright guy, writer outside Ninja, was talking about an article. He said, "Hey, look, there's real benefits to fast walking, and maybe for the average person that can hit a lot of this." And he tagged someone from CrossFit, and CrossFit's like, "Hey, walking's great, but it's not." Are you kidding me? Like, you're trying to say that all we need to do is walk fast, you know? And then Brad's like, whoa, and it just devolved into this thing. And I was like, God damn it. This is the worst. And I literally got tagged 15,000 times, and I didn't. I'm like, I'm saying shit. <laughs> you have to have a move practice. And that can be yoga and Pilates or CrossFit or kettlebells or ground flow or whatever it is. You better take your joints through full range of motion, yes or no. You better breathe hard. I hope you're in a tribe or a community because that's what human beings do. And, you know, you need to lift some weights because the research is that VO2 max matters. Can't get a huge VO2 max walking, right? Walking is non-exercise activity. And I think what we're seeing is that we're so confused about what it is we need to do. And what we need to look at is I need more non-exercise activity during the day so my human being body works like a human body. I decongest, I load my tendons, right? I'm, I accumulate enough non-exercise activity fatigue that I fall asleep, right? It just starts to normalize a lot of function out. Then you can say, okay, now what's your movement practice? Because running is not a movement practice. Walking is not a movement practice. If you just walk, guarantee your ankles are going to be, you're going to be weak. And what we know is that, boy, we told women all they need to do is walk and that they would not have, you know, be osteopenic or, you know, have bone density problems. And we know that that's not true. You have to load. You have to jump. You have to load. You have to squat. Um, you know, there's the, if we take a 30,000 foot view, suddenly we're understanding things like grip strength correlate to all the mortality. Well, how do you develop grip strength? You carry heavy shit around. Yeah, or right? climb. Or climb. VO2 max matters. That people with VO2 max, it may not be the VO2 max, that's this curse, but maybe all the constellation of behaviors that go around also having VO2 max. Right. How about getting up and down off the ground? Hip range of motion matters. There's that great test that if you can get up off the ground without you're using your hands in a cross-legged position, yep. right, your chances are of dying or go down. And all of a sudden you see things like, well, in cultures that toil on the ground, sleep on the ground, fall risk falls to like zero, right? They don't fall. Our old people in India don't fall if they sleep on the ground. Yep. They just don't. So suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what you see is, okay, walking is great, but then you need the next thing. And then how much of the next thing, that's up to you. You know, and, and in, we, I mean, the 2000s are the, it's the onset and birth of high-intensity exercise. Of course, of course, people have been inten exercising intensely forever. I mean, three words, kettlebell, right? The Russians were on this early on. Go to any martial arts school. Do you remember that? The first time you got your ass kicked into some martial arts conditioning, it was brutal. Right. So people have been doing this forever. And I like to point out uh, Half Thor. Remember set that record for walking the big mast? Yeah, yeah. Remember? He walked yeah. it like four steps, and the yeah. record was three steps. So a thousand years later, he adds one step. That's how rad people have been forever. I think try to remind ourselves people are incredible. Yeah. Um, but now we can say, okay, uh, how much of this do I need? What does that look like? And, now, and then we can start to say that, hey, walking is not enough. It's not enough to be, you know, and it, it's great that you're starting and it's great you're walking, but we also are, if we're going to solve some of these problems, we have to be a little bit more serious about it. And so suddenly if you go back to Hebert and his original movement, Natural, right, his fitness program, the standards that he set are ridiculous. Like, I don't know of any friends who could swim that fast unless they're swimmers yep. or run that fast or climb effortlessly and control. And, um, you know, so I, I think the breadcrumbs are there in all of our movement practices and all our movement traditions. They tell us and instruct us how to move and what positions we're able to get in. I mean, I'm such a fan of jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu has solved so many problems for so many of my middle-aged male friends. Their kids get into jiu-jitsu. And then they're like, they're at class, and they're like, maybe I'll do it. I'll roll with my son. And they're like, dude, I'm obsessed. This is amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's welcome to the game. You know, yeah. like it solves a lot of your movement problems. And contact. And contact. Right? So suddenly you, re you can really come down to ask this question, well, what does it mean to be a human being? And not some like, you know, like you got to belong to a group of people. Yep. You need to be a little bit afraid and uncomfortable. And however you get there is up to you. And you need to carry something around. And it doesn't have to be freakish, but you better carry something around. And maybe that's rucking for you. You know, that's your, that's your loading. Ruck up some steep-ass rocks and take your hips through full range of motions. Go up and down or 
you know, what does that look like for our kids? How much formal movement training do we need? How much play do we need? Well, it needs a lot more. We're not getting any of it. You know, the 10,000 steps you're supposed to get every day, that's that's like so you don't get rickets. That's like saying, like, oh, good, now you're, you don't have scurvy. Congratulations. Like, that's how low the bar is. And yet we're not hitting that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, until we um, – great cook, um, great thinker, co-founder of, uh, of Functional Movement Systems, FMS, He's like, hey, look, do we have movement vital signs? So if you ask someone what's healthy, 120 or 80, you know, that's a decent blood pressure. What's good resting heart rate? 60. Right? Those are those are great. Those are just benchmarks. Yeah. What's normal hip range of motion? You know? Like I was just asking someone <laughs> talking. I was like, can you squat all the way down? The guy was like, you mean with my heels on the ground? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, he's like, that's crazy. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, isn't that child over there doing that? So, you know, I think what we haven't established is, you know, hey, here's what human beings should be able to do. And it's just so much noise. And, and we're ministering to people. And then technology has fucked it all up and made us so confused. Yeah. And we're measuring all these things. And meanwhile, we don't have any first principles down. Yeah. And, then, and then I'm like, well, how much sleep did you get last night? And then people are like, what? I don't sleep. I'm really enamored by um, movement outside of like the, the typical, you know, fitnessing inside of a gym. But like cold thermogenesis or going in a sauna or something, you know, that's a whole nother level of movement that it's like. There's so many different conversations, like looking out into the distance and the ciliary muscles expanding and contracting, and like, you know, or, there's or so many varieties. Yeah. Hey, right. hey, is it smoky outside? You know, like, wh wh I mean, yes. And what's interesting about that is, you know, you can come back down to like, well, what's the core behavior? Have you been outside today? Because yeah. you're gonna look around if you're outside. Yeah. You know what I mean, but if you haven't been outside. What are we talking about? I'm now I'm doing these vision drills. Like I don't. No one has time for that bullshit. <laughs> you don't have time for it. And so what ends up happening is that people are like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm too confused. I'm out. This whole thing is, you know, uh, I go onto my Instagram. And I get very confused, you know. And I'll, right now, right now, the thing that's really confusing everyone is there's every physio movement person is putting all their skill transfer exercises up there, all of their. Um, you know, uh, corrective exercise. And I, I'm like, whoa, does anyone front squatting heavy anymore? Is anyone, you know, is anyone breathing hard anymore? Because right. I see so much corrective exercise, but I'm like, corrected for what? So don't, don't, I think it's easy to lose the narrative. And that's because we like shiny things and I'm guilty of that too. And, you know, but we, you've got to, you got to be in a group of people. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be uncomfortable. However you want to get that up to you. Um, Russ Green who uh, spokesperson for uh, CrossFit Health, um, he was like, look, dude, dude, Peloton, go to church, lift some weights. He's like, great, check the box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I you know, yoga, Peloton, church, weights, is that your thing? That's a pretty good movement practice right there. That's a complete, pre complete practice. So however you're going to cobble together up to you, but w we haven't done a good job saying this is the minimum therapeutic dose. So at age 45 almost, what would you, or is there anything that if you could go back from a movement perspective, you'd be like, oh man, I really blew the shit out of my wrist or elbow or knee or... Well, um, you know... Uh, there's a no because uh, I'm here because of my injuries. Yep. You know, I when I my hand went numb on the national team, yeah. and uh, you know, that was a wake up call. And that that really formed the the genesis of understanding what was wrong, and that was I was a perfect expression of the system. You know, this complex system. I was like, well, I, I don't know. I trained been training three times a day for like <laughs> 25 days, yeah. you know, more volume, more volume, more volume. All of a sudden my hand goes numb and, you know, now I'm like, what the hell, you know? And they're like, yeah, that happens, you know? And I was like, okay, that happens. Well, <laughs> if that's the case, then we should just say disease is normal. Obesity is normal. ACL injuries are normal. Back pain is normal. Get over ourselves. We'll fix it. We'll take some drugs. Does this call it normal or not? I don't think that's really true. I think the resting state of the human being is pain-free. I think uh, we have a body. I truly believe we have a body that's built to be 100 years old. I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, you are probably going to outlive your gonads, but you don't want to outlive your knees. You know what I mean? And um, But it's okay. We got you get on the hormones when you're 70. It's fun, right? <laughs> but in the meantime, bro, that knee is designed to go the distance. And look what we have to do. I mean, we're having to, like, tell, remind people to eat bone broth. You know, like bone broth is an industry. I'm like, you're supposed to cook your meat on the bone, not have a sashimi chicken breast. You're supposed to eat the whole animal. 
yeah. you know, and I think it gets, you get lost in the weeds sometimes where you're like, where do I fit all this in? And then God forbid you have kids and a job. God forbid you, you know, are in a relationship and want to have friends. All of a sudden it feels like this is maintenance of this seemingly fragile thing is, is a full-time occupation. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be. It doesn't take that much maintenance. The body is looking for homeostasis. The body is looking to come back into balance because that's what makes it great. And if you just give it some little inputs, we, I mean, I have used this analogy before. So if someone's heard this, um, we had a person, you know, we've been doing this walking school bus for three years now. And, uh, we had a person come up after the first year and she's like, I lost 20 pounds. You changed my life. I was like, lost 20 pounds of walking to school. Like it's a kilometer and a half, like two kilometers. What? And she's like, yeah, it changed my life. I lost 20 pounds. My sex life is better. I feel better in my clothes. You know, my dog came back. You know, <laughs> it got like the whole thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> like you were so out of whack that you walked your kid to school and back in the morning with us and you lost 20 pounds? I'm like, that's some, that's unfair. Like I didn't lose 20 pounds. Oh. So, you know, we were, uh, we were just all, we went up to the river this last weekend, took our whole family and friends. And, and I really see... You know, my age demographic, which I'm conscious of right now, is these men 40 to 50, you know, and uh, really struggling to figure out how I put it all together. You know, how do I manage this incredible workload right now? How do I have this minimal physical dose? You know, it's easy to be metabolically deranged and insulin insensitive and, you know, low T because you don't sleep and you're drinking alcohol and, and you're a stress case and you don't move. Yeah, you know, are you familiar with Ellen Langer? Counterclockwise is a book that she wrote. Counterclockwise <laughs> study is this really famous study that was essentially what she did was was took a bunch of people. I think they were around seventy years old, and she created this artificial environment from twenty years previous. So she she shot them back into being fifty. So they had pictures of themselves up on the wall from when they were fifty. Wow. Had all the music. They got all the newspapers from that time. They had the sports games going. And what they found is the people ended up actually their fingers got longer and their uh, their attention became better their their vision became sharper they could read better and retain better you know so it's really interesting to me when you tell me about like okay it came from you know Kelly Starrett he told me to go walk you know <laughs> I got the prescription you know and you're like wow all of a sudden I'm you know I'm banging my husband and I'm losing fat and I'm doing all this stuff. There's, it's just a really interesting other kind of layer to all this thing where if you can convince someone that this is, you know, this is the path, then it really truly does become the path, you know, but just figuring out. Well, right. So Alex Hutchinson um, wrote this great new book called Endure, which if, anyone, if you haven't read it, it's um, about the curious and flexible limits of human performance mm. and human endurance and, mm. and like from nutrition to hydration to pain perception to, you know, yeah. positive affect. I mean, just, you know. You know, Juliet, uh, we just had a, someone in the gym really, you know, so my physical therapy practice is pretty simple right now. Like I see world champions and world record holders and really, really sick people or really, really injured people who fall into the cracks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're really, this is an interesting case. Like, you know, you've been failed or people. And oftentimes I just give that permission, p- 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 person some permission <laughs> and give them a different framing of what's going on and shift low side of control back onto them. And literally, I'm like, uh, you know, and they're like, yeah, it's amazing. My bad. You know, I'm like, well, you know, we have disempowered you and your tribe, your community. And it's no one's fault. But we, I truly believe two things right now. And one of them is really scary. One of them is I think we're going to have to write off a generation of people. No one is beyond saving. But it's really going to be difficult to put out the fires and get people back on track. And, and that's because... Our brains are wired for tech. We love it. It's addictive. It's so good. Yeah. When no one's talking about porn, porn is the most addictive. It's destroying your relationships. It's it, right. It's it's crazy. I got some going right now. <laughs> we uh, yeah, of course <laughs> you, you know, do. Look at that a lot. Yeah. And um, you know, I I well, let me just take a sidetrack because I think it it helps us to understand the role of opiates, yeah. the role of, you know, there are these behaviors and things that make it that. You know, sugar, crappy food. It's just like, man, I'm wired to love cookies. I love them, right? And if I have cookies in the house, I eat them all. Yeah, me too. So I just don't have cookies in the house. I just like, I don't literally, I get up sometimes in the night because I hear a dog or something and that's my role and I get up and I'm like, oh, where are the cookies? I'm like, there, there's no cookies. <laughs> so I have a glass of milk or I just go to bed. <laughs> I'm like, shit, there's no cookies. But my point is, I think when we look at all the things sort of we have stacked against us, it's easy to understand why we're, we see a, an ecosystem 
that's struggling to keep up. You know, um, you've done some camping. There was this stove called the MSR International, and it would burn any gas. You could put white gas in there. You could put, you know, kerosene. Right. And it would also allegedly burn diesel. So we tried it once, and it just smoked. We had all this diesel fumes everywhere, and then the jet clogged. And we're like, that's weird. So we took it apart, cleaned the jet. It's such a pain in the ass. Turn it back on. Smoke. Some heat, but a lot of smoke. Clogs the jet, and we're like, oh, you can burn diesel. It doesn't mean that's the best thing to burn is diesel. And I think we confuse this incredible, robust system with the fact that it puts up with our crap endlessly, and then one day it doesn't. And then we're like, what's up? You know? And uh, whether, um, I mean, the the breadcrumbs are there. So check this out. Uh, One is that I'm worried about a generation of people who tech has just subverted our environments. Netflix and chill, right? I'm like, dude, you got to get off the TV and go to sleep. my when Caroline was born, she was born early. We spent three weeks in the NICU. Juliet's a breastfeeding champion. You know, she's able to work. We work our ass off to get some milk in our kid. And um, the doctor, she's discharging the doctor. She's like, okay, so you got to give her these vitamins every day. And I was like, vitamins. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, you're saying, like, let me let's be clear here. You're saying that human milk isn't enough for my baby. Is that what you just told me? And I literally am like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, are you, are you fucking serious with that bullshit? And they were like, well, and I'm like, really? And I, and I was like, what is it in this vitamin bullshit that tastes like shit that my baby needs? And they were like, vitamin D. White people in Marin don't go out in the sun. <laughs> and I was like, well, why didn't you say that? You know? So here's the solution. Give your kid this vitamin. Why? Because you're not outside ever. Yeah. You know? And, um, and I, I think that really is the allegory for the fact that, you know, it's comfortable and easy. It's 72 degrees. The fl- it's flat all the time. I wear these cushy shoes. I'm not uncomfortable. I don't feel stress. I think a lot of the pain symptoms we're seeing is just it's a lack of input. Um, our friend Sue Falzoni wrote a book called Bridging the Gap from Rehab to Performance Again. She was the first strength in, first athletic trainer in professional sports as a woman, which is makes her like a minute Earhart superstar. Yeah. And, um, She's like, hey, I think one of the one of the problems right now is we're just not getting enough input. There's not enough sensory motor input, and uh, that means, you know, you, you can't close your eyes and balance. You aren't cold. You're not hot. You're not walking. Your feet are always in some like cushioned coffin. Like, you're just not getting enough input to the yeah. system. And I think sometimes there's a vacuum of input back into our bodies that we're getting, you know, is it walking the cross pattern motion or the decongestion of the tissues through the, or is it just some, your brain's like, Oh, we're moving now. And that's okay. Right. That I move, walk, I walk fast. And so my brain's like, Oh shit, turn on all those, you know, there's no plasticity modulators because people who walk fast are in environments where things are sketchy. Right. Cause you only walk fast when you're like, I'm in danger or something's fast. I gotta go. Right. And so it's interesting when you come back to first principles, How's the body work? Then, then again, you can be agnostic, but we're not teaching kids to kids. Do your do your kids know how to cook? Yes or no? Do your kids know how to like what is good food? Yes or no? I mean, we just got into a, a power battle because they're selling Izzy, which is a, a kids like fizzy drink. It's like a soda or organic soda. Comes in a Red Bull can, but it's called Izzy and mm. it's like fruit based. They're selling them at middle school for a fundraiser. And it's like, why are you selling soda to my kid at middle school? You know, like. Don't you guys see that we have an obesity problem? And by the way, we have an unchecked childhood obesity problem. We're part of an organization called T-Lift, which is incredible, Teen Lift. There's now a category of poor per- of young person who falls into not morbidly obese, super morbidly obese teens, which means it's not their fault. We have programmed kids from birth to eat a certain way from all the environmental loading. We're, we're valuing this, you know, McDonald's and Coke and you know, all these easy shitty calories and all the desserts. And, you know, we, we have a project in our house called death to the juice box, you know, but like what kids come up to b- birthday parties and they're like, where's the juice box? Where's the juice box? They're all little crack acts. Like, juice box. And we're like, what the fuck is this juice box thing? And what you see is that, man, we just, we're unprogramming behaviors that are decades and decades old and practice in the making. And that sugar is, is a hook oh. and, and eating shitty is a hook. Um, so how are we going to tangle? So first and foremost, I unequivocally believe, like, wow, we may be too late for, to help a lot of people to really improve their quality of life. This is our shot. And we have mucked it up for them. And I also firmly believe that in this generation 
of smart people and coaches and the internet and podcasts that we have a chance to raise the tide and have a chance to get a lot right and better and because of Joe Rogan because of Aubrey because of Tim because of Ben we we're we're suddenly we're saying hey look here's what we know test it let us know what you think and we, I think and then those people become decentralized nodes you listen to line podcasts like you're you're going to be understanding a whole lot more and then and then again styles don't matter like and I think there are a lot of people a lot of shitty people out there who are arguing about how their kung fu style is still the best. I'm like, dude, you go over there. I'll be over here. I'll meet you in the middle. In the meantime, we need to rile up all the people, look back to the people that we're not serving, which are our family and our friends and our community. You know, Matt Vincent, who who's, you've talked to before, had a, uh, he's like, you know, someone asked him how to get strong. He was like, I don't know, squat heavy once a week for eight, 10 years. Let me know what happens. Right. And I was like, who? So I started squat club at my house on Thursdays. The whole neighborhood comes over and kids squat. <laughs> I'm like, well, what happens if we start that ages, age? Billy. What if we start that age eight or nine? <laughs> I don't know how long you've been squatting. I don't know. Some, some bald guy in my neighborhood. <laughs> we do five squats. And stuff. Once a week. I don't give a shit. Five by five, ten sets of three. It doesn't matter. Like, we squat. And um, and some of it's just exposure, oh. you know? And then we can have the next conversation. But I don't think we're – we've made it so confusing for people right now. Just as long as you, you know, you, you die at Orange Theory, you come to CrossFit, and you blow up. And, like, dude, it's not enough, mm. you know? And I can see why people are like, you know, you know, first move well, then move off. And I'm like, well, hey, we need to work hard first. But we also haven't taught what compensation looks like. So we've got a lot of work. It's still very confusing, but it's starting to get out there, yeah. you know. And then you're like, we're back into physical culture time. Like, let's go play again. What about Robert Sapolsky and the baboons? Are you familiar with all that stuff? No. God, God, Robert Sapolsky. Uh, primates memoir slash uh, why zebras don't get ulcers. I oh, know you will yeah. know why zebras, zebras don't yeah, get yeah. ulcers. I had to read that in physics school. It's good stuff. Um, one of the things that he gets into there is that the, the baboons at the, the head of the pack, they end up having completely different hormone profiles compared to the, the under the under ones. So they end up having you know less cortisol and various different stress hormones. They have increased testosterone. And it's, it's as though by putting yourself in that higher position, the same thing happens in business. You know, if you're the king of the pack, all of a sudden you get this extra juice of you know, your hormones start working for you. But for the rest of us, that are kind of in more of like a subservient role, which is probably most of North America. Um, there's almost they were like working hard. They're really working hard. Yeah, trying to connect the dots for the family. Trying to connect the dots. Yeah, but feel that that sensation of like, how do you instill into a person like I'm a motherfucking badass? You know, I wonder yeah. how many people really feel we empowered are not, that way. Like we can get it right. And here's the message: we are not fragile. Yeah. Like this. I mean, what's that old Socrates? I you know quote like I, uh, like I feel bad for the citizen who doesn't understand the power and glory of their body and you're like okay is Socrates talking about that right you know and um i think that's exactly right and there's so many ways back into that feeling <laughs> being uncomfortable you know winning practice game playing you know um it's like know, micro wins. Yeah, and you know. also one of the things we're we're doing a crappy job of is helping people just turn off. Yeah. You know, when we when we I really work a lot with high profile, high performance organizations to try to unravel the Gordian knot. Right? Do you understand what our inputs are outputs and what can we control? Because there's a lot of things we can't control. So let's control what we can control and see if we can improve the system. We can say, hey, we think this is better. You know, right now the physical therapist is like, it doesn't matter. Posture doesn't matter. Every posture is a good posture. I'm like, that's a bunch of horse shit. Yeah. First of all, substitute the word posture for spinal mechanics and tell me if that statement holds true. Any spinal mechanic is fine. Mm. It does it really. So if you don't have any language, just, you know, let's go in, let's go into the workforce and see all the back injuries. You know I mean? Like that, that's an absolute not statement. I can't always say that if you have four, text a lot and round your back, you're going to have problems. That's true. I agree. But also you haven't run that experiment for 70 or 80 years. You know, when that person's bent over and hunched, like we'll just wait until we have a generation of people who, you know, literally can't take a breath or put their arms over their head, yep. which leads us to the question. We make decisions about our movement quality, movement practice predicated on, does it give us more capacity? Does it maintain function? Does it maintain capacity? So feet straight, Let's, it gives you better hip function, better hip stability, better ankle function, allows you to transfer, you know, 
if you're slouched over, you can't take a full breath. Sit up tall and like take a full breath. You're like, okay, so which position do you like? Do you want to be at 20% heat or 80% heat? Like, let's give you back your function. And so suddenly, you know, we can start to make these conversations about, hey, here's what the human being with the function states is better capacity and better shapes. And if you don't believe me, let's go into yoga. And let's go see what Joseph Pilates has to say about this. And let's go to see what every martial arts says about this position and Olympic lifting and gymnastics and running. And you'll see that there are universal. Everyone's like, yeah, your posture really matters. So I'm like, okay, so as long as it's function, it matters. So let's give people again, benchmarks, goalposts, and let's create an environment where we don't have to coach it again. You know, I, I really, um, Greg Hook, Erwan LaCour, all these guys, you know, are like, hey, look, if you created a, a natural environment, and whatever that means, let's say you have the right environment, it will naturally shape the human to do the right thing, right? Because that's what we're designed to do is to exist. So if you were in an environment where there's no chairs and you're sitting on the ground and squatting on the ground, like those rest positions of, are all spine straight and you have good hip range and you're moving around and you have to take a poop and reach on the fire. And, and all of a sudden you'll see that, you know, and if you're, if you're moving and carrying stuff, you'll see that... Um, an environment does beget better movement. And here's how we know. Yep. Um, you know, we have about 90,000 kids standing out of sedentary desks into these moving desks now that we, with our stand-up kids. We really uh, are, we have a nonprofit that flips particularly low-income schools. But it turns out that getting kids out of a sedentary desk into a moving dynamic desk, where they have movement options and choice, they can sit on the ground, they can perch, they can move, which has been clinically shown to reverse childhood obesity. So you'll see that it'll see a delta of six percentage points over two years on BMI. So whatever you want to count, if test scores are important to you, if, if, if attention is more, whatever is important. But I'm just looking at childhood obesity here. And it turns out if you move, they do better, right? So we have a whole now, my daughter, my youngest daughter is in the fifth grade. She has never sat at a desk. And her, she and her cohort have all been there, have never sat at desks, and no one heel strikes. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. And they all have these little upright spines. And like Caroline's like a whip. She's like a Bruce Lee, like <laughs> she's like, you know, like a reed. I will bend like a reed in the wind. <laughs> and um it's crazy to see. And um that's an example of how environment shapes, you know, person. Yeah. So we're clever enough. We have thumbs. Let's shape the environment. So we have we don't have to think. I don't I don't have to make another decision. That's the other thing. I mean it's just like, dude, you, you feel can you feel are you tired you know and it, and we get behind and it happens everywhere it happens in the the, the government so at the elite levels of fight all the allergies are killing me right now so that's why i sound like this um there's also fires up north but um i just drove through them ambient adderall is a dirty secret mm. in the military right adderall caffeine thc oh that's new right or at, not new, but people are like, I'm on board. Um, and you're like, that's not me. It's coffee and wine. Oh, that's you. And what we're feeling is I'm so tired. I have 15 cups of coffee. I love coffee. I'm a caffeine metabolizer. I love coffee. But if I don't have coffee, I'm fine, right? And I usually have, I stop drinking coffee at 3.30, and I have two cups of coffee in the day, a couple espressos. I love it. Comma, I can't downregulate can't turn off so now i have a bottle of wine half bottle of wine which is considered heavy drinking right a four ounce glass of wine do you know how little that is that's a that's an italian wine cup of like with your you sit down with your great italian grandma and she pours those little cups out that's a serving of wine mm. so that gigantic merlot glass that you have that <laughs> goblet that's a half bottle of wine that is not a serving of wine that's two servings of wine if you have one of those a night you're a heavy drinker so all of a sudden you your sleep is disrupted. So you fall asleep, but your sleep your quality of your sleep is totally disrupted. And if you have two Ambien and you wake up and take another two Ambien, this is a lot of our military guys. Your sleep is not consolidated. You just like it's a disaster. You wake up in the morning, guess how you feel? I'm tired. So what do you do? More coffee, yeah. and you're not moving. So it's really difficult to get out of this depressant stimulant cycle, and then feel. You know, am I tired? How do I feel? Am I anxious? So I I think it's complicated. But there are many ways into the first conversation, and you don't have to fix everything all at once. You know, if you come into my gym, we're not going to run you through some assessment. Today, this is what we're doing. 
and we're going to improve what we can today and tomorrow when we do the next thing we'll improve what we can and i'll see you in three months yeah. you know so i think that's how it is and if we help people understand this this you every day i mean Carl, my mom's a psychologist so carl rogers right you can reinvent yourself every day like if unconditional positive regard and you can change today make a better decision right now making a better decision tonight and then tomorrow if you fuck it up making better decision at lunch you know, you have a chance to continue to improve the ball all the time. And especially if you can create an environment where you're walking more, when your sleep is better, you're eating more whole foods, right? There's some downtime to fucking chill out and calm down and relax and be in some dark rooms and let yourself. You know what I mean? I, I think when we come back to that and we help people see how simple it is, that they'll feel better. And guess what? I don't give a shit about your health. I give a shit about your performance. That is my, like, like your, raise your hand, star at, I'm outed. I care about you lifting more, running faster, looking better naked. This is all about performance for me. This is all about saying, I think the human body has so much innate capacity to do extraordinary things, and you're not even scratching the surface. Hmm. So why don't you, why don't, well, it's not boring to you. You know, like, yeah. you know? Wanted to take a quick moment to thank the Align Band for supporting this podcast. Align Band is a rad self-care product created by yours truly. I use it with every one of my clients, uh, friends, family. I take it with me anytime I go on any type of traveling trip. Uh, highly recommend getting a resistance band in your life, even if it is not the Align Band. Uh, get yourself a resistance band. This guy comes with a door anchor, a traveling case, so you can hang it up on any hotel door, uh, car door, anywhere. And then you have a band hanging, so you can start mobilizing, opening up your hips, opening up shoulders, opening up the ankles, lengthening your neck, whatever you got to do, you can do it with the Align Band. Um, you can find it at aligntherapy.com slash gear. That's aligntherapy, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com slash gear. It's also on Amazon, all those different places. Thank you so much for swooping that thing up if you are called, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Something that I think that, and we'll wrap up soon because you got to run, but um, I think that they're likely has been somewhat of like a, a, a pathological aversion from anything that's not upright and the foot supinated oh, and yeah. straight ahead. Yeah. And then there's like this, you mentioned a great word, Gordian knot. I never heard that before. The Gordian knot. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden the Gordian knot, I think, can get tighter because you haven't addressed the, the, the baseline pattern. Yeah. And, and all we have is formal movement, right? Rigid, afraid to move. Right. So you know, how do you how do you start to bridge that? Well, you play. So right. so this you know the, we'll, let's call this flex spine, right? We're fle like right now. I just saw this thing. Um, and, and physical therapists, you should know better. Um, some th physical therapists were online were saying you know like oh you know bra this brace neutral. I'm like yeah, neutral is a weird word. Like a stacked organized spine that allows you to handle the most axial load. I can, that's reproducible, and we have we can get there. And that that load that spine handles the biggest loads. Don't don't believe me. Come over and we'll put 600 pounds on the rack, and we'll just have you lift it. And I'll tell you what position you end up in every single time. Right. Yeah. That spine transfers the most load. Okay. Are we really flexion averse? So these some of these therapists are like, hey, we're so flexion averse. Ready and loaded Jefferson curls. And I was like. Whoa, whoa, that's your first intervention, Jefferson curls, right? I'm like, Jefferson curls are fine. Why? Because a healthy spine can flex. In fact, if you can't flex your spine, you don't have a healthy spine. That's what I can say. Yeah. If you can't extend your spine, you don't have a healthy spine. So, I mean, I, the Chinese have been saying this. What do they say? You're as old as your spine. Thank you, China. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the Russians are like, you're as old as your feet. I'm like, they're both wrong, right? But um, if you come to a gym... Go to a yoga class. Tell me how many times you end up on a rounded back. Yeah. Thousands of repetitions. You do like chaturanga, you jump up to the mat, you fold forward and forward bend, and then you come back up and you fold back down. And like, dude, there are so many oscillations. Come on in my gym. We're going to do rolling. We're going to do pistols. We're going to climb ropes. We're going to do burpees. We're going to like, we're going to do knees to bar, elbow, toes to bar. Sometimes there's sit-ups and there's so many flexion movements in there that take the spine and normalize it, but we don't load it heavy and axially. Yeah. That's the key. So do you have the technique and control to understand what good flexion looks like? And I think that's the problem is that we've, we've said, okay, everything is rigid. I'm like, well, that's a good functional position to do a lot of things. Run, hip hinge, squat, right? But you can't throw, you can't backflip. 
you know, you can't do a forward somersault. Like, nope. you've got to be able to flex your spine. And I think why do we teach kipping is, like, one of the first things we do in our gym. It's part of the language because it's a distracted position. You're hanging from the bar. We teach you what controlled global flexion looks like in controlled global extension. Where are you learning that otherwise? And so, you know, I think what we haven't said is all we need to say is, hey, look, it's not all rigid and I have to be frigid, but the number of people we have seen clinically and all the therapists will, will shake their heads. I just reached over and picked up the pillow and I felt a pop. I'm like, wow, how heavy was that pillow? Right. Right. So if you're loading all the time, guess what? Your spine is strong and your discs are loaded all the time. So they're robust. If you don't load all the time and then twist and rotate, you're much more likely to have a problem. How many, how many rounded back heavy lifts have you ever seen in your life? Quite a bit. Yeah. I don't know. Millions yeah. for me. No one has died. I didn't see a spine explode, but it's not the best way to handle a large load. Yeah. Right. And it tells us, hey, I'm at the limits of my technique or limits of my position. It's what we call a trivial event in a non-trivial system. So in your movement language, in your movement practice, is there formal instruction in spinal flexion? Yes. Yes, there should be. And if there's not, then you have an incomplete program. So suddenly you're like, okay, I understand this ground-based work. I understand the flow, right? But that doesn't mean we're loading that in those positions. And the problem is people just aren't connecting the dots. We, we have a video coming out where we literally, I was like, okay, let me just come up with 30 flex spine position shapes that are normal to our language in the gym all the time. A muscle-up. You end up in a fucking flex round-back position to do a muscle-up. Mm. You know, so, like, what are we talking about? You know, quit it. And... Um, you know, we teach this to kids doing back somersaults. I mean, are you afraid your kid's going to die with a somersault? No, again, but the, the load isn't through the spine axially. So once you come back to this, you realize, wow, do I, do I have competency in this language? And on my systematic loading, that way you can get away from rigid spine, good. Yeah. You know, hypermobile spine, bad. You know, like, dude, show me your control. Show me your loading primers. Show me what this looks like. And then, and then we can un, again unravel that all of the language around that. Yeah. You know. But if you but if you can't, I'm like get get your spine stiff and organized before we pick this up. And you can't, and your only solution is to round. I'm like, that's job security for the physical therapist. Yeah, right I like there. I like the idea of of a fishing pole or you know bamboo. It's like if you can distribute that weight through the whole system, you can do a whole bunch of work. The second that you make an acute angle at any point in the fishing pole, you're fucked. Well, or how about not fucked, but just less, less effective. Less effective. <laughs> Your brain's gonna shut you down. You know, and that's just it. For me, I'm like, okay, that doesn't that doesn't transfer up. You know, and I think that's the way we think about it, right? But then when you're stenotic or herniated a disc, and you're like, oh, I don't know why it happened. It must be genetics. I'm like, really? Yeah. So then that's really, I think, disingenuous because we got to be able to go from cause to effect and effect back to cause. Yeah. You know, and if you're sitting all the time in a shrimp position, that's your fault. That's your shape. Yeah. So is that the shape? No. No. No, it doesn't. You know, if you want to run fast, your head is 17 inches out in front of your body. That's a problem. <laughs> You know, someone, um, some, some well-meaning physio put something out there like, don't be afraid of Tex-Nick. And they're like, look at this African person holding 75.75% of their body weight in their head. And I was like, and look at their spine shape. Yeah, Skink, jacked straight up and down. They're like, so your head is only 10 pounds, so don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, no. do, you, they're, they're do you understand physics? <laughs> like, dude, if you take 75% of your body weight and put it out in front of your body, you're going to break your neck. Yeah. You know, so I think that's, um, you know, we get the wrongness and it is easy it's easy to tell people do this or die you know do this or you're gonna explode yeah it sells it sells and um we gotta help people sort through that bullshit the body is incredible and what we should always be seeking for is restoring and maintaining and improving capacity and ability and that's aspirational and measurable and it's the reason i make choices i do this because i'm better i mm. do this because i'll wake up with more energy i do this because it won't crash me you know what i mean yep and we've been saying this for a long time. You got to come out unharmed at a one rep or a million reps. And when we look at uh, things like normal accident theory, um, proposed by a guy named Charles Perrow, it says that in these complex systems, it's really difficult to see what what the inputs and outputs do, right? Because the system is tightly coupled, and there's a lot of complexity. This biopsychosocial model that your environment matters, your your psychosocial component matters, your health, your tribe, are in a loving relationship. If you're in a loving relationship, your chances of having back pain go down. 
yeah. right? If you're not stressed, boy, you're a lot more tolerant, you know? So all of that matters. But when you see an injury on the far thing or, or a breakdown in the system, it's not an outlier. It's a normal expression of the system if you give the system enough time to express itself. That's the problem. We're not living lives like we're going to be 100 years old. I mean, you, have you read Yuval Harari's book, Sapiens? Yeah. And then Homo Deus? One of her books. Yeah. And you're like, holy crap. This like, the world is not going to be good <laughs> based on the way we treat chickens. <laughs> right? like, I mean, you're like, you're like, okay, Yuval. Like, I, 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 I talk all chickens. My chickens have like life coaches now. I'm trying to be a better person. So when the AI goes, AI comes, it's like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, did you hear, uh, you know, um, Elon on Rogan? Oh, yeah. He's like, I warned everyone. About AI. Dude. Now it's too late. That was some deep shit. Yeah, yeah scary. <laughs> <laughs> Hand me that joint. I'm so stressed out about AI. He didn't inhale. He got all the flight. They lost probably what? millions of dollars off that. Whatever. He didn't even inhale. I mean, we, we run this. We, run, we have some simple models. <laughs> Does this hold true? Oh, everyone's like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, if that was a woman CEO, what would happen? I'm not sure. She'd be fired. Yeah, I guess so. Huh? Yeah, Can you fire Elon? Is that even possible <laughs> at this point? <laughs> right. He's an Such alien. An you can't fire an alien. My point is, <laughs> coming back, um, you know, I think the, what we're th not thinking about is we are going to be 100 years old. No problem. And so let's start thinking about this long game. I mean, recently Juliet rolled over and she's like, do you think we're not even training for now? We're training for when we're 70? Yeah. And I was like, probably. The more muscle mass I have, the more range of motion I maintain, the bigger my VO2 max now, so the, more, the more function I have when I'm 70 or 80, because guess what? You're going to be there. It's your choice how you get there. It totally is. Mm. You know? I don't want to be a stiffle guy. There's a super nun study where they found that nuns that, that spoke more eloquently and used bigger words in like their, their journals and such had significantly less chances of dementia going into old age. So just another route of thinking, thinking for you, like get a dictionary. Yeah. There's a lot of different angles. Become a nun. <laughs> That's what I actually meant by that. Obviously, too much sex. Become a nun. And, you know, I mean, what's all the constellation of behaviors around that? Like, you know, like you have an intellectual process. You have a you have a role in society. You have a meaningful tribe. You belong. You have a, yeah. a, a raison d'etre. And then add in the fact that you don't drink, right? You probably sleep because nuns only have candles. Have Everyone you dabbled that. any kind of monkery type, type, no, no, type no, experiences? No. I just did a 10-day silent Vipassana. That's cool. And it was um, – it changed my perspective. For the first time, I was actually – a little bit more like, oh, I think I get it. Like there is actually an, an appeal to checking out and just seeing, seeing where you can go in, in another container. And before that, I, I would have never understood. Now it's there's a little bit of like, oh, okay, I, I think I get like the monk approach. It's not for me now, but anyway. Yeah, I think um, it's simplifying and, and base. I, yeah. I think I understand. Uh, um, one of our coaches here just went to a month-long silent retreat. Yoga, learned yoga and did speak for a month. And, you know, she just, she's like, I sorted a lot out, you know. And I, I think none of us are alone. I'm an only child, so I'm always, always, always alone. I'm okay. I love it. Yeah. And, um, but I think your point, uh, but also that I would say is, hey, I think it's the valid, the bodhisattva is to come back and says, of you, course, you got to be able to do it here. Yeah. Well, you don't need to. Well, it's just but you can, you can, we can still say we're the first principles there. Like, you know, um, one of our friends, uh, um, Jimmy Chin has yeah. a new climbing movie coming out called Free Solo, which I'm just going to pitch right now. It's about <laughs> Alex Honnold doing the free solo ascent of El Cap, oh. unroped El Cap. And it's every, because Jimmy's a friend and he's in my social media network and stuff, I see this preview for this movie all the time. It shows up a lot. And every single time it makes me sweat, it makes my palms sweat, it makes me really uncomfortable watching the exposure of Alex Honnold doing a 3,000-foot vertical assault wall, no ropes, by himself. And Jimmy's filming it. His friend is filming it. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, Jimmy's like, I don't, we didn't know if we are going to film our friend dying or what. You know, it didn't was possible. But um, Jimmy made another documentary called Meru, which I highly recommend. Yep. And they do this incredible assault in this somewhere in the uh in the hindu somewhere and they run out of food and they're 100 meters from the top and realize they have to down climb and so they each get a third of a cliff bar a day for three days and their life is dependent on they have to down climb all this stuff then they get to the bottom like oh food's there it's all sweet buried in 10 feet of snow so they get another 18 hour walkout no food and um i left that and i was like julia when's the last time like you and i went 24 hours consciously without eating yeah Not, i'm talking about like intermittent fasting i'm talking about, like not gonna eat for 24 hours. And I was like, I can't tell you when I did that. 
you know, and I'm like, my, you know, I got to be my macros and I got to be my protein. It's mostly and, bullshit. Belief systems. Yeah, Not belief complete systems. bullshit, but no, it's, no. it's belief well, systems. Performance, you should be eating food a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If you're going to train like an Olympian, comma, um, we start fasting once in a while. And I think suddenly you come back to some of these practices, which are at the heart of this monk-like experience. Mindfulness, uncomfortableness, fasting. And there, there are, I think there are, again, there are breadcrumbs there that really help us understand ourselves so that we're not controlled by porn. Yeah. You end up insulating yourself for, for, for happiness down the line if you do hard things voluntarily. So they show that with like dipping rats into cold baths repeatedly. Down the line, they end up being significantly less sensitive to, to peripheral stressors. You know, so they can they can downregulate and chill and some effed up stuff happens and they're like, It's cool, it's totally fine because I had the 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 cold plunge thing as a baby baby cub. So we can do that, you know. Fasting is a good example of Yeah, that I well. think I think that's really it. And we gotta know, wrap up. We're past your time. I mean in, you're get, I'm chilling. Get but, in your I mean, cold shower, be uncomfortable, you know. Um look what Wim Hof got everyone doing again. Yeah. I mean, you cured can, his depression. So you can be you, know. a, you can access a fear response. You know, every morning it's called holding your breath until you feel like you're going to pee yourself. Yeah. You know, really freak out. Watch yourself freak out and then start breathing again. Then do it again and do it again and do it again. And, and all of a sudden you really, you can get to the, in the minutia of what's going on. Look at what Huberman is doing in the labs at Stanford and around anxiety and fear and breathing and CO2 tolerance. And again, we can be super, super nerds. What's it look like? Well, during my warm-up, we do a lot of breath holds during our warm-ups, cool. during our gym. So we just work it into our daily practice, right? So it's not one more thing I have to do. And it's so fun. I think, once again, you know, all, it's, if someone's listening, they're like, where do I – dude, go have some fun. You know? yeah. Go start again anywhere. Yeah, you start tapping into some like the ecstatic stealing fire – flow genome stuff in that inadvertently you know you're at crossfit and you're like well i'm starting to feel certain ways you know you're, you're having your own apothecary yeah and i think um you know at the heart of this is you know uh if we go back to muhammad or jesus or you know these like look praying is good but you gotta pray together as a group yeah you know common group suffering trial i mean i i believe firmly that the only reason American football exists today is that there are a lot of there are generations of adults and it was the only time they were in a tribe ever yep. for three years or four years when they're in high school and they're in teens. It's such a summer experience to suffer together, to belong. Socioeconomic status doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. You're in so much pain, hurt. You're, the contact, I think it sets this hook that people have this affinity towards it. So you're yep. like, okay, well, we need to belong to each other. And all of this should be about creating more empathy, more reserves, you know, more resiliency. And, um, then, and then you can just spend that however you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go binge, go to Vegas, do it. I mean, but you know, let's get first principles first. And then, and then I think we can begin to, uh, really improve the ball. And the real questions are, and the real work is how do you, how do you scale this? You know, if I put any, athlete any person my mom comes and trains with you for a week she leaves she's gonna be a better person yeah. right she's gonna eat better right so we know that that works but the magic for us has to as a community we have to become networks and hubs yep. and change the people around us or improve or support the people around us and then it's a grassroots movement and then we have to think about this at scale how do we have this conversation at every middle school you know because that's where it has to start elementary school how do we create you know look at the toxic youth environment of sports Man, we're just we're getting it wrong. Hmm. But it, the bill's coming. Don't worry. We'll see that ex normal expression of the system. You know, when you're 90, I'm 90, and I steal your car, and you know, <laughs> my wife and I are being in a hot chase, and you know, Thelma Louise in at age 95. You know, what did someone say once? They want to be like shot in the back <laughs> by their jealous lover climbing out the window. You know, what I mean, like when they're 95. I'm like, well, that's pretty badass. Yeah, that's a good way to die. That's a good death. Yeah. How do people, what's the best contact point? How do people learn more about your stuff? Well, um, you know, I think uh, if you Google us or see our, our business is called Mobility WOD, Workout of the Day, and um, Mobility WOD. And, uh, you know, we're trying. Come to our site, poke around for 10 days. It's on us. You know, see how we think about some of these simple conditions. And then we're trying to, we're trying. You know, we're going to, uh, we try to support all the smart working coaches. We've got plenty of books out there. But I think the bottom line is, um, you know, 
let's let's keep let's come play curious you get to experiment you know i really think that this quantified self initially i really was really really off put by it you know just didn't didn't speak to me yeah but what really did speak to me was that low side control is on us it's about you and your power and you have a chance to uh, make yourself feel better today and it's not five hour energy drink i like it dude so you um yeah, you've been one of the main inspirers of uh, the direction that I've gone with yeah. all, like, doing, I'm doing a, doing a book presently, potentially with Phil, That's actually, um, and the podcast and videos and everything. So, yeah, I just, once again, like, so much appreciation. Well, I appreciate that. That's a big deal because you are a smarty pants. But also, <laughs> you know, I was just with, um, I was at Exos this weekend with Mark Verstegen. You know, and he's the founder of Athletes Performance Institute, Nexos, and, uh, you know, I'm standing on his shoulders. You know, I remember being a 22-year-old, 23-year-old maybe, and uh, trying to train for the national team. And outside a magazine article comes up about Verstegen, what he's trying to do. And I remember thinking, like, this is what I want to do with my life. Wow. You know, and there I am at his facility in Phoenix, you know. They're in charge of population health with Google and Facebook. I mean, and and what I can tell you is there are so many people who've been breaking ice for us for so long, right. you know. And look, I mean, look at look at all these guys, these these experts, and um, you know, they make decisions based on the information they had. And imagine if they had the information we had now. Yeah. You know, these guys are just brilliant. So men and women who've been holding the door for us forever, we're all continuing to like pass the baton on. So let's keep passing the baton on. Cool. We actually maybe get something done. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Over and out. Recording over. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.